This is an AMI podcast. This is an AMI podcast. Double Tap Canada. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Double Tap Canada. It's that show they said should never have made it to air. I think that's what they said. Terrible, isn't it? Hello, I'm Stephen Scott. Sean Priest is also there somewhere. Hello. Hello. I have no idea what we're talking about today, just to let you know beforehand. Oh, there's nothing new there. Tim Schwartz is here. Hello. Hello. Yes, uh, of course, as usual, Sean has no idea what we're talking about, but uh, <laughs> thankfully, Stephen and I have some sort of clue, I think. <laughs> let's not let's not over-promise too much here. Um, no, we have actually got a lot to cram in. I feel like we've got like, two hours of a show to cram into this hour, because... There's been lots of news this week. First of all, by the way, Tim, uh, and, and Sean, I think we need to, to honour this a second here. Tim, congratulations on last week. Well done. Oh, it was sterling performance. Beautiful yeah. work. Well oh, done. Well, thank you. Uh, you'll never be doing it again. That's from EMI. Um, <laughs> Great. Did anyone notice the deliberate mistake in last week's episode? The one deliberate mistake? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tim's bits were just all wrong. Well... <laughs> That is a problem. We we have noticed this before. Um, yes. Uh, yes, Tim's bits were supposed to be all about privacy, ironically. Um, but uh, sadly, they were not. What happened? Well, Sean edited the show and screwed it all up. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. Oh! <laughs> wow! No, unfortunately, I, I did have the piece done in all honesty, all fairness, full disclosure... As you guys know, I, I literally was hitting save on the file. The the lights flickered. They went out. Power went down. And then not only did the power go down for about 12 hours when it came back up, the internet was down for another two and a half days. So I could do nothing. So, the, yeah, the, the piece was finished. It was ready to go. And uh, natural forces were completely against me. But... It is here and available now, and we will be sharing it this episode. Well, I, I can tell you guys, next week I won't be here because of a hurricane that's intending to blow through my town and village, uh, but just my street. Uh, so it's very unfortunate. It will knock out power and, indeed, my ability to wake up for several days. So just putting that out there. Um, but no, listen, Tim, it was a great episode last week, um, you know, despite your, your you. bits being wrong. Uh, but we'll get, we'll get by it. We'll get by it because the good news is that your bits did not go to waste. We need to change the name of this. Um, yes, but, please. Uh, yeah, they're going to be used today. Uh, we're going to be talking about privacy. Uh, remind us again all about that wonderful segment you did on privacy. Wow. Okay, yes. The the wonderful segment that I've done uh, that we'll be sharing this week on privacy and security when you're online. So three suggestions that I have to better protect your privacy and security when you are on the internet. It was so private, we didn't tell you about it uh, last week, but this week we will. Uh, so that's coming up. Um, also, I am, listen, I've gone a bit freaked crazy this week. I'll tell you, I'm going to tell you something, right? Don't don't record drunk. That's my advice to, to would-be broadcasters out there. Um, record drunk or uh, or go places drunk. Talk to your friends on WhatsApp drunk. Yeah, yeah, no, no, good idea. See, the one thing about being blind and drunk is that you can't really get yourself into too much mischief because, you know, you can't drive. <laughs> well, so, you know, you're not going to do any damage well, there. No one noticed a difference. Yes. Uh, well, listen, I've got to tell you a quick story, right, before we get into this because um, I had a bit of a, an episode this week, shall we say. Oh. 
this is good. Right. So, Sean knows this because I called him at the time to tell him about this. Tim, you were sleeping again. So we, um, <laughs> or maybe it was a power cut or an internet outage. I can't quite work it out. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I had a chance to, um, let's just say, gone for a coffee and I decided to sit outside. Now, I live in Scotland, which is not known for its um, good weather, shall we say. And um, I often make the joke about Scottish weather that if you don't like it, wait five minutes and it will change. <laughs> Uh, so I decided to head out for this coffee and sit outside with it. Now, I didn't realise this, and I always I always do this. I always ask for a takeaway cup, just because I prefer it. Um, and I also clearly don't have much interest in the environment. Um, and I decided to have this takeaway cup outside, but I didn't ask for the takeaway cup. I forgot. So the guy brings out the cup. At the point he brings it out, the sun kind of flares up, and it's like, whoa, it's so bright. And I'm sitting there with my eyes closed, my sunglasses on, with my hat on and my coat. Um, A beautiful Scottish day. Lovely. Yeah, gorgeous image. Um, I didn't notice that he'd put the cup down in front of me. And so I'd gone to find my phone or my bag or whatever it was and swiped my hand across the table. And, of course, the cup was there. So it went flying off the table, smash against the wall, and, you know, dribbled its way down the wall. Beautiful. <laughs> How aggressive were you looking for your phone or bag? Just swipe it across the table. Smack it across the room. Look, up I'm of a the Scottish wall. guy, right? Every, everything we do is quite ag- aggressive. I'm sorry. So, yeah, I decided to, uh, well, I, I, decided I had to go and admit my failure. But actually, before I did, the guy came out and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I should have told you the coffee was there. And I said, Yeah, you probably should have. Um, oh, nice. And- Way to represent. <laughs> well done. <laughs> So after that, I um, I get another coffee, right? So he brings another one to me. And I'm sitting there, and again, the weather's turning because every five minutes it does. And this time it, we go from a beautiful sunny day uh, with some light rain to uh, hurricane conditions where a uh, wind sweeps through that is taking everything, including the tables in front of me, away with it. And um, my coffee decides to start moving. Now... I was aware of my phone sliding away on the table, so I grabbed my phone. Priorities. And didn't grab the coffee. Smash! <laughs> yeah, ended up sm- falling on the floor and smashing into Ugh. more pieces. Uh, so the guy came out again, and he's like, I'm so sorry, I should have not brought you this, I should have brought you a saucer, or whatever it was. He came up with some reason as to how I should drink coffee. And um, he brought me a third <laughs> coffee. Um, now, at this point, you would think... Maybe I'll go and sit inside. No, I was determined. I'm sitting outside. So I, I continued to sit outside, and uh, I had the coffee. I didn't let go of it this time. <laughs> I held on to it. I drank the full cup of coffee. I sat the cup down on its saucer, and as I stood up to leave, I tripped over the table, and the saucer <laughs> and the cup ended up on the floor, smashed to bits again, at which point... I just held my hands up. I said, I'm out, and left. Um, and that was it. Never so, to be um, invited back again. <laughs> I'm never going there again. Um, no. And I've asked the local bus company to stop that particular bus service. Uh, <laughs> I never want to visit that place again. A lovely blind day out. Yeah, you can't beat it, can you, sometimes? <laughs> oh, how, how I laughed. No one else did, but I, I laughed. I, I paid for one coffee, and um, I bought three. I would have charged um, you for all three, and I would have given you one of those Tommy Tippy cups, a sippy cup, so you couldn't spill it. <laughs> You're a disgrace, man. Well, listen, it's better than doing it in the house, isn't it, Tim? Oh, don't even start with me on knocking over things in the house. Thankfully, it's water every time, and I've only lost one keyboard in the last year. 
almost another, That's not but bad. you know. You're an inspiration. <laughs> I, I try. Anyway, let's talk about tech. That's why we're here, isn't it? Yes, please. This is what happens when you get me hosting again. Um, everyone's going to want Tim back next week. Uh, right, so uh, WWDC, or DubDubDC, as my screen reader calls it. Nobody calls it that. That's a terrible thing to call it. And if everyone calls it that, then I'm leaving. Thank you. So DubDubDC <laughs> is um, happening. And uh, it's happening, what, Monday coming? Uh, Monday 3rd? It's going to be um, huge, massive, amazing, or not. We don't know yet because, obviously, we've no idea what's going to happen, but there are lots of rumours. Essentially, it's going to be a software-based event. I mean, we, we kind of I always get excited because I think something new and exciting is going to come out hardware-wise. Never really seems to happen. So, Tim, what do you think is going to come out of WWDC this time around that is going to be good for us? Yeah, once in a great while, they will surprise us with hardware. But being that the D in DC is for developer, they, they do typically like to gear this to the developers and have it be a software conference. I think the highlights are going to be at least things that we might be interested in. Uh, people with low vision are going to be interested in seeing that they're going to have a dark mode that will cover all of iOS. So not just individual apps anymore making their own dark mode, but very similar mm-hmm. to the Mac. There will be a dark mode now. Uh, they are doing a lot of other things with with updating the home screen. So they're going to change the way you know the apps look and how they interact. A lot of good things uh, there. So it's going to be basically an iOS overhaul. I think we're going to see a lot of changes in how it looks, how it feels. I did read that there's a rumor that the accessibility section of the settings app is going to be moved to the first page and be very uh, predominant there at the top of the page. So you don't have to go diving into, you know, settings, general accessibility anymore. It'll be just right there at the top of the main page of settings. So that's a simple thing, but to me, that, that's a, a nice thing. Uh, they're going to be doing some things with hearing aids and, and all kinds of stuff. So I, I think this is going to be one of the biggest iOS updates we've seen since iOS 7. Wow. That's that's a bold talk from uh, Tim there. Mm. I hope so. I think it definitely needs it now. It's definitely feeling a bit stale, I think, iOS. And um, maybe that's just from a visual aspect that the springboard, you know, the icons and the interface itself hasn't changed in so long. I think it is It's just time to freshen it up, if nothing else. But they are promising new features. And another rumor I heard was that they are finally, and I don't know how true this is going to be because I think I hear this every year, is that they're going to make improvements to Siri, which is another place where they're so sorely lacking so i i hope that's true well they did hire away the one of the leads from uh, google with their ai department and they have been working really hard at developing things behind the scenes for siri and yeah that's one of the the rumors i've heard going back a couple months now that siri is going to become a lot more responsive robust so no i i agree with you I, i've heard that rumor as well and i think it's i think it's actually going to happen as well as the springboard like you talked about i think from what they say the apps are going to load a lot uh, more easily the the animation of them are going to look a lot better, a lot more up to date, uh, you know, all types of different things there. So, so yeah, I think the look and feel of it's going to be a lot different. Yeah, there's not a huge amount to talk about around accessibility yet because we don't know anything at this point. And, and they, no. that's one aspect that we don't tend to hear a lot about, let's be honest. The bloggers and those who are getting the rumors aren't hearing about, you know, supported Braille displays. You know, they're no. hearing about <laughs> new features and stuff that's, you know, going to affect all of us, which is, you know, I mean, we're interested in all that as well. Of course we are. Um, I think, though, we're, we're kind of heading towards um, 
a time where with the iPad, we're looking at more unification or merging of the Mac and the iPad. And I think that's something we're going to see this year, uh, perhaps more uh, or at least getting closer to that unification. Um, maybe not all the way, but but getting there, I think. But I think it's going to be pretty close because they are talking about doing unification of the apps between Mac and iPad, especially maybe a little bit more you know, or a little bit on iPhone, but much more on the iPad. So, yeah, your apps are going to be very similar uh, and streamlined between Mac and iPad. And they also said that you're going to have multi-window support. So not just a matter of switching between different apps, but be able to have multiple instances of a particular app open. So if you have more than one, uh, not just tab in a Safari browser, but maybe more than one browser or more than one notes app or pages app, you can have them open uh, in multiple instances to do different things and, and then be able to do that side by side on the screen and do you know more editing. So I think that type of uh, detail for the iPad to make it feel more like a Mac, more like an actual desktop computer. I think that could be a, a, a again, a simple thing, but could be a game changer. Plus, which is interesting. They're putting this under accessibility. I'm not, I think I know why for, for people that might have motor skill issues, but the rumor is also that they're adding uh, mouse support to the iPad so that you could actually use a mouse like you could like a, like a small, you know, like a laptop mouse. Uh, so you could use that with the iPad as well. So again, making a step closer to it being more like a laptop or a desktop. Yeah, about time. That's all I can say. As soon as they saw really? out the files as well. Well, I mean, they keep saying the iPad is, is well, going to be a laptop thing, yeah. replacement. But, you know, in that case, people want to connect it, especially with the new iPad with the uh, ability to connect a, a external display. Then, you know, using a mouse in that case makes total sense. But Yeah, but that doesn't work. This is interesting because I've got the iPad Pro 12.9, and when you plug it into a monitor... Doesn't do anything other than just replicate in the same way that any other iPad would replicate its screen in that kind of box format on a on a widescreen monitor. It's just a box, and that's obviously the size of the screen. The only time it works is with apps that are geared for this. Yeah. Um, so you might have uh, iMovie, for example, has got that second screen capability where it can use the second screen for um, details. I guess it would do the same with a lot of the drawing programs. Um, but you know, it's it's not built like I mean, for example. The Samsung S10, uh, which I think since the S9 actually, uh, had a feature where you could connect it via USB-C or connect it via docking station to a monitor and actually turn the experience on the phone into an actual computer. Yeah. Mouse, keyboard, you know, you attach the monitor, the mouse, the keyboard, and now you've got an actual fully functioning computer with Android apps in tablet style. Is that called Dex, um, I think, no. wasn't it? Dex, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, it's not... I mean, from an accessibility point of view, it's not great. Oh, forget Although, that. Although, well, well, interestingly, it's not, it's not great. But in fairness to it, accessibility does work. You can turn on TalkBack and use it. It's just not brilliant. Um, <laughs> okay. That's down to the apps more than anything Yeah, but else, imagine if Apple took that on. I mean, that's exactly the thing they should be doing with the iPad. They've got so much processing power there. That just because there's, you know, you've got to use the touchscreen, and, and they're so far uh, previous to hopefully iOS 13 that they they wouldn't allow any other input, be it a mouse or whatever. Um, that sort of environment, being able to turn your iPad into a desktop, would be uh, would be great. Yeah, with all the rumors and leaks that have been coming out about iOS 13 and WWDC. 
I really wouldn't be surprised if they start getting into that because like we said, they're, they're talking about unifying the apps and, and the multiple uh, app support and the mouse support. It sounds like they're going in that direction. And so I actually wouldn't be surprised if they did do that and made it a, a much more you know fully integrated laptop or desktop type feel. And they've also said, well, there's been the rumor and leaks that they, that they are going to update the files app. They're going to update mail. They're going to update notes and Safari. So they're really going to dive into those stock apps and update those as well. So making those easier and more user-friendly, more, more uh, universal as far as features that you would find or which you would think you would find in apps like that. I think all of that combined implies at least that, that they may be doing that. Well, I watched a bit of a weak video today on the subject on YouTube of not buying a MacBook Pro 2019. Um, because I'm interested in them. And um, the video said, don't buy it because, you know, it's only a very small processor speed bump unless you buy the very top end one. Okay, so fine. Um, but what was interesting about that was, and the kind of bit that really stood out for me, and I think this might be heading where you're thinking this is heading, Tim. Um, yep. Next year, 2020, will be the year that we would be likely to see the next new version of any style of MacBook Pro. They do it in four-year cycles, so you think back, 2016 was the last major refresh when you had the touch bar introduced and everything else. That's four years on next year, and that would mean the new edition of the Mac may come out. And I think that's when we may see this unification. I've seen a lot of bloggers write about the software not moving us all the way to a combined iPad and MacBook. But maybe next year that will happen because you need the hardware as well. And what will that hardware look like? I think we'll see it next year. And that might be a MacBook with a touch screen. And that might be where it all starts. I don't know. I, part, of, part of me, if I'm honest, is a bit terrified about this. <laughs> Why? Because I think, really? I mean, I know what the, the iPad is like. And at the moment, I know people use it and say it's great. But it's, you know, blind people who use it and they say, yeah, it's really good. It's accessible. Um, is, it, is it as accessible as a Mac? I don't know. I don't think so. I can do a lot more on my Mac than I can on an iPad. Yeah, but that's because of the user interface. I mean, the desktop environment is always far more complex, and you know, it does take a little bit more work to get around, especially using a screen reader, but you can do more with it. That's why I'm slightly worried by this Marzipan project, the, the merging of the um, mobile apps, if you like, with desktop-style apps. I don't know. Is it, is it going to dumb it all down or is it going to make it too complicated on the mobile device i'm going to be really interested to see how this works we just got to look at the windows 10 store apps where they tried to do the universal mm. app for mobile devices and desktop and basically they were terrible on either platform so uh, it's tricky you see it's, inter it's interesting because if you, if you flip it the other way and, and it really is interesting when you look at what microsoft have done because they've tried to do the opposite. When, where Apple are, have created this iPad and now are trying to merge the operating system with the iPad, Windows has always just been Windows, and all they've done is built it into a tablet and tried to make that work better, almost like an iPad. And I don't think that works either. Um, but then it depends on what the application is. The problem is I'm sick about hearing about photographers. <laughs> yes. It's like, yeah, okay, great. You take pictures and then you paint them up. All right, great. But the whole world does not revolve around photography. You know, there are other jobs people do. Yeah, like audio editing. So, That's all we yeah, want to exactly. know about. And, <laughs> do you know, in all seriousness, you know, what what is an audio editor going to look like for us? in 2020 or 2021. I mean, it's going to be a case of, I'm going to get, I have to employ a sighted guy to do all my work for me. Oh, that sounds all right, actually. 
Actually, it's not a bad <laughs> idea at all, actually. Yeah, quite old fan for that, yeah. Um, it's an interesting time, isn't it? Um, well, we're going to see lots of updates coming. Um, the one that's the strange one, the kind of out there one that Rua that's doing the rounds, is that they're going to develop a new version of Find My Friends and Find My iPhone. And they're going to kind of merge this together into, like, I don't know, find everything. Um, everyone, every, find you know, anything things. you own. <laughs> find everything I own and, you know, wish I didn't. Or I don't know, however you want to look at your family. Um, and I was thinking, you know, they're, they're talking perhaps about bringing out some kind of tracker device. You could put on your keys or your phone. I'm thinking, really? Yeah, very similar to Tile. That might come out later this year, yeah. Tracker as well. I mean, you know, all these tracker, apps. Right. Are, I mean, the thing is that it's... <laughs> All they're doing is eating up the third-party companies and obviously sticking a huge tab on it because it won't be cheap if it's Apple. No, exactly. That's the only thing. How much is is an Apple tracker going to cost? But, I mean, it does make sense, though. It's something they could do. It's all about integrating that ecosystem and find my iPhone, find my friends, just make it into one app, find my things, and you've got a little tracker you can add via a key fob or whatever to anything else. I mean, it does make sense. I'm not entirely sure if it's... Apple's thing, but we will find out. Mm. I'd be interested in that. Yeah, this is one of those things where it's a small thing, but it's about time that they do combine all of that with Find My Friends and Find My iPhone because having two different apps really actually doesn't make sense. It's just, as you said, find my stuff, find my things. So just go into the one find app and there's everything you want to find. If they include a tile or tracker type device later this year or whenever that comes out. I think that makes sense. Is it good business sense for them? Is it going to make them a lot of extra money? Who knows? This market is already pretty well cornered. And as you said, Sean, it's not going to be cheap necessarily, but it will be Apple and people will buy it. So I guess why not? But no, I I like the idea of, of them combining all of it. So that's WWDC. Uh, we will be giving it full coverage on the next episode of Double Tap Canada. Well, Stephen, like you said, after the event, we're going to talk all about it and review everything. And, and of course, we could all three go on and on about Mac and iPhone and all of that. And and I know you can Okay, so well. look, there's lots of things I like about the Mac. I could be here all day telling you about them, but I won't. I'm going to narrow it down to my top five. So let's start with, um, where are we? Oh, yeah, number five. This one's a cracker. Right, so you've got your Mac, right? Now, a lot of people who use the Mac will know that one of the things you have to do a lot is kind of interact with Windows, then uninteract with them, and then you've got to move around the screen, and then you've got to interact again. So let's say you're on the Finder, and you've gone through Toolbar, Sidebar, at Vertical Splitter, and then you're at your Icon View. And you're going through your icons, you may be looking for a document or whatever it is you're looking for, and you can't find it. And you want to search. Well, then you'd have to uninteract with that window. You'd have to then scroll back using VO keys and left arrow. And then you go back to the toolbar and you'd have to interact with that. <sighs> yeah, I know, I know. Well, I can tell you a shortcut that you can set up using hotspots. So I'm going to open up the Finder window. I'll just quickly do that by doing uh, voiceover D for dock. Dock. Finder open. Yeah, I'm at Finder, so just hit View Space. You are currently on application. Press Finder. Open. Finder. All my files. Window. It's taking me to all my files. So uh, what I'd normally have to do is I'd have to uninteract with Start this. Interacting with browser one item selected. I'd have to view left. Vertical splitter. Again. Sidebar table. Again. Toolbar. There we go. Interact. Interact with toolbar. 
seven items back group. Then I would have to go right all the way to the search bar. View, radio, arrange, men, action, men, share, button, edit tags, button, search, text. There we are. Okay, so I'm in the search box now. Now I can search, now I can go back. I've got to go back again. Oh, what a nightmare. Or I can do this. VO shift one. Save as hotspot one. Okay, so that's me on the search field on the finder window. I've just saved it as a hotspot. So to prove how this works, I'm going to close that window. Desktop. As me back in the desktop, I'm going to go back into the Finder window, VOD. Doc. Finder, open. View space on Finder. Press Finder, open. Finder, all my files, window. I'm in all my files again. So now what I'm going to do is VO1. Search text field. Oh, how quick is that? And that can work anywhere. So, for example, in menu extras, if you want to quickly get to, say, your Wi-Fi status, you can go VOMM. Menu Menu extras, displays menu, status menu. Then view right arrow to the menu item you want. Wi-Fi, four or four bars. Okay, so I want to create a hotspot there, so I do VO shift two. Save as hotspot two. And then I can come out of that. Finder, desktop, Macintosh HD, volume. And then if I want to quickly get there, I just go VO two. Wi-Fi, four or four bars. Oh, fantastic. That's all I want. It's just a simple way of moving around so much quicker. Okay, number four. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the Finder, VOD. Doc, Finder. Okay, I'm back into my Finder again. And one of the things I find, I don't know about you, but I find most irritating is trying to navigate the Finder easily. Because it's, it's quite a cumbersome thing. My suggestion is use column view, my biggest tip I can give you. So to do that, very simply, just uninteract with the window that's dropped you in, uh, which of course is the, in this case, a list of all my items. I'm going to uninteract with that using shift view up arrow. Stop interacting with browser one item selected. Then I'm going to go view left. Vertical splitter. Again. Sidebar table. Again. Toolbar. Then into the toolbar, shift view down. Interact with toolbar. And I'm going to look for view. View radio group. Okay. And I'm now going to interact with that group. Interact with view radio group. And I'm going to choose column view. List view radio button two or four. Column view radio button three or four. That's the one view space. Press column view selected radio button three or four. And then once you've done that, just uninteract and go back to your column view. Stop interacting with view, radio group. Now again. Stop interacting with toolbar. And then right. Sidebar, table, vertical splitter, browser. Okay, so it says browser, right, but ignore that. It will say column view to you. It's because I'm running El Capitan on this MacBook Air. So it does drop you into a browser or a column view. I can interact with that. Interact with browser, automator, folder. And I just use the arrow keys to move around. Just press record, folder, keynote, folder, numbers, folder, pages, folder, quick time player, reader, folder, shortcuts, folder, text edit. And there it is. So if I want to go into a folder, I just write arrow. Commands list for Stephen. Double tap TV ideas. Rich text document. Interesting document in there. Anyway, uh, that is column view. And just by simply arrowing left and right, once you've navigated into that window, you can easily find your files. Right, number three. Okay, so this one is all about making your life easier in applications. Now, you probably know about switching applications quickly, right? So you would use Command-Tab to go between applications. If I hold on Command and I press Tab, if I want to know what else is open and I want to go to another program, I just hit Tab again while holding Command. That's Twitterific again. Safari. And Safari. Okay, so if I go off on Safari, it doesn't say anything, but I'm now in Safari. Now that's great because I can find the website. Double tap online. We're blind people top tech. Okay, so I'm in the double tap website again, which is great. But I also know that I've got a second window open of Safari. So behind the window, visually on the screen, I've actually got two windows open. But I can't use Command Tab to switch to the other window because that's an application switcher. 
I need is some kind of window switcher within an application. Well, that's where Command Accent comes in. So I've got in the window in the background a Google homepage open. So if I press Command Accent, then it should switch to Google. Google window. I'm feeling lucky. I'm feeling lucky button. There we go. Now that's me switched to another window within the same application. This could apply to the Finder window if you want to get the desktop, or if you had multiple windows open of another program. So Command Tab will switch an application like Safari to Finder to Twitterific. But if you're in Safari and you want to go to another window in there, or Microsoft Word or Pages that has another window open, you would use Command Accent, and you'll find that. Accent key took me ages to find it. It's to the right of the left side shift key. So on the left hand side of the keyboard, you've got the shift key. Immediately to the right of that is your accent key. Hold on, command and accent, and Bob's your uncle's best friend. I think that's right. Number two. The next one I'm going to show you really makes me happy.、Uh, this is one of the most irritating things. It kind of goes back to that whole problem I have with interacting, moving around the screen quickly. I want to just jump to where I want to be. Let's open up our browser, say Safari. Okay, so、uh, I'll do voiceover D for doc. doc. Finder open. I'll just type in、uh, first letters of Safari. Safari open. Oh, there we go. And it's open already. So we'll just view space. Safari open. Safari favorites window toolbar. So I'm in a favorites toolbar.、Um, Okay, whatever.、Uh, but I want to get very quickly to the address bar. Well, Command L will be your friend. Open location. Straight to it. That's it. I can type in www.youtube.com/tap/tap/online. Double tap online. Where blind people talk tech. HTML content. Oh, and life is great. Number one. Well, this one is interesting. I stumbled across this one night. Now it's going through all of the features of the Vio Utilities window.、Uh, there are lots and lots of options in there, and I stumbled across this one, and I thought, "Hey, this sounds good to me." It's called Keyboard Commander. Let's open up VoiceOver Utility,、uh, Vio F8. Opening VoiceOver Utility. And I'm going to go onto the sidebar, which I think I might already be on. Utility categories table general. Okay, so now I'm going to interact with that. Interpretability. Speech. And I'm looking for navigation web commanders、Sound. visuals commanders. There we are. Uninteract. Stop interacting with utility categories table.、Uh, now let's go to keyboard commanders. Stop interacting trackpad. Select numpad tab keyboard tab three or four. Okay, view space on that. Press keyboard selected tab three or four. And then I'll just view right to a table which has lots of stuff in it that I want to show you. Quick nav tab enable keyboard command right option key use pop up button enable、oh, keyboard. Oh, actually that's a point. First thing you'll come to is enable keyboard commander. Enable keyboard commander check checkbox. Make sure it's checked. Right option key use pop up button. Now that means you can use the right option key,、uh, which ironically is on the right-hand side of the keyboard. Who'd have thought?、Uh, it's immediately to the left of the left cursor key. I'm now going to view right into the table. Keyboard commander table. Interact with that. Interact with keyboard commander table. Row one. Keyboard key. Okay, so let's go through them. Keyboard key S. If I view right on this table, it should tell me what S does. Command open application Safari menu button. So there you go. So if I want to quickly open Safari. I can just hold down the right option key and press S. Okay, let's try that. So、um, I'll come out of View Utility Command Q. Finder Desktop New Document Rich Text Document. Okay, I'll just check there's no other applications open with Command Tab. Finder. Nope, that's it. So if I hold down the right option key and press S, Safari should open. Safari Favorites Window Toolbar. Ta-da! Well, there you go. Five top tips that I think make the Mac great. 
Ooh, just five things that make the Mac great, Stephen. I thought you'd find much more than that because you've been loving it lately, making me sick, quite frankly. Yeah, but some of us know how to make features within five minutes. Ooh, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, though. Is there just not a lot to talk about on the Mac? Uh, no, 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 no. I, I honestly, it is a brilliant machine, uh, and there's lots more I could talk about. But I think those certainly stand out as my top five, and I think they're they're quite useful hints. Yeah, they were very useful hints. I, I actually, to be honest, your first one I thought was one of the best ones, the hotspots. I really liked being able to go in somewhere, be very specific and and create that shortcut, that, that macro hotspot to just jump right to it. So yeah, I, I really thought that was, was really cool. That is cool. Um, right, look, stick around because we're going to go through your emails. We've got some other news stories to tell you. Amazon have brought out something new. <sighs> yeah, I dare you. tell you about it in a minute. Also, um, we're going to tell you what we are up to next week. <laughs> and we'll probably end up in lots of trouble as well. Double Tap Canada. Double Tap Canada. Hello and welcome back to Double Tap Canada. Now, we've spent the first half of the show talking all about Apple and uh, I think it's time for a change. And Stephen, it's time for a narrator, really? Oh, I thought this was me getting fired. Um, <laughs> right, okay. Whew, that was a relief. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I am going to talk about narrator because uh, the new edition of Windows is out, a new update to Windows called 1903, for those of us in the know. Uh, spring update for everyone else. And uh, it is out. It's got some lovely new features for narrator, and I will be reviewing them. Hmm, yeah, that's something to look forward to, I'm sure. But first, <sighs> Tim's Biz. That's right, it is time once again for Tim's Bits, and this week I wanted to speak with you about protecting yourself online. Whether you're posting to social media, browsing the internet, or connecting to a public Wi-Fi, you want to make sure that your personal information stays private and that your devices stay secure. So on this edition of Tim's Bits, I have three suggestions for you to help better protect you when you are online. My first suggestion might sound simple and obvious, but it's something that is often overlooked, and that is to check the privacy and security settings of the apps that you use. Whether you're using social media apps like Facebook or Twitter, or just using an internet browser, you want to make sure that the privacy settings are set the way that you want them to be. For example, Facebook allows you to decide who sees the content that you share. For instance, if you only want close friends or acquaintances to see your birthday, where you went to high school, where you currently live, posts about your family, or where you're checking in, you can set that specifically to those groups of people. Social media can be a great way to connect with family and friends and find out what's going on in your community or even around the world, but you have to be smart about what you share and who you're sharing it with. So now that we've talked about good practices for what you share online, let's talk about third-party ways that can help you to protect yourself when you are online. Everyone probably knows by now that you want to make sure to have a really good antivirus application to protect yourself from harmful viruses on your computer. But you also want to make sure that the application you're using also protects you from malware. Viruses and malware disguise themselves in many different ways, including emails, pop-ups and ads online, and even in third-party applications. There are many good applications out there that can help you either on your desktop or even on your smartphone to protect you from viruses and malware by blocking advertisements and pop-ups in your internet browser and other types of content. 
So make sure that you're using an all-inclusive type of antivirus and malware program to stay best protected when you're online. My third suggestion is to use a virtual private network or VPN. Have you ever connected to a public Wi-Fi at a restaurant, a hotel, or some other sort of public business? If you said yes, well, you're not alone because savvy hackers connect to those public Wi-Fis as well. But if you're using a virtual private network, it makes it much more difficult for anyone to be able to see what you're doing on your device and to be able to access your personal information. Using a virtual private network doesn't have to be daunting or even difficult. There are many good VPN applications out there that allow you to connect to multiple devices like a desktop computer, your smartphone, or a tablet. Usually costing less than $10 a month, a VPN will encrypt the information that you share online so that you are better protected when you connect to the internet. I hope that these suggestions have been helpful for you. If you have any tips that you'd like to share, please send an email to feedback at ami.ca. And now, in an over-the-top American accent, <clears throat> previously on Double Tap Canada. I thought you said American accent. Yeah, that was American. It wasn't. That was American. Really? Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Anyway, anyway, never mind that. Previously on Double Tap Canada. Microsoft has made some updates. Once again, they're not forgetting about us. They're adding accessibility to Microsoft Paint, adding keyboard shortcuts and narrator support. What do you guys think about this? <sighs> Amazing. Right, let me throw Stephen under the bus straight away because he <laughs> hates this story and finds no positives in it whatsoever. But look, Microsoft do it again when it comes to accessibility. They are making paint a painting program, a graphics program on Windows accessible. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft Paint accessibility. Boo! Yeah, boo. boo. Terrible. Never mind that. I am more interested in the new ease of access settings that have just launched in the new spring update of Microsoft Windows, and uh, they are good. Let's go through a few of them. Right, first up, for those of us with some vision left and uh, those of us who want to still use the screen as much as possible, well, you are in luck because Windows 10's spring update brings in a lot of features that are going to make a big difference for you. Let's start with the size of the text on screen. For a long time, it has been very difficult to get the text on the applications, the windows, um, the menus even of Microsoft uh, Windows to enlarge. Well, that all changes in this new update. You can make everything bigger, and that's actually what they call the feature, the make everything bigger feature, and even make the display bigger as well. So you can make the windows, the boxes, everything just that little bit easier to see. Of course, this all depends on the size of your monitor. I'm rocking a 27-inch Dell monitor, and it even struggles to fit at the level of text size I would need to have it at. So it's not perfect, but... It's a downside better than it was before. So, yeah, brilliant feature. Well done, Microsoft, for putting that in. There are color filters now as well. And this is actually something I've been reading a lot on Twitter about. Lots of people tweeting Microsoft to say, thank you so much for this. I'm now able to look at pictures properly. Amazing. I mean, just a simple feature. And it sounds simple. Obviously, it takes a lot of implementation. But at the same token, it's there and it's now available for those who have color problems. I've changed mine to red-green specific because I have a color blindness issue. Haven't noticed a huge difference yet. Maybe I will through time. But for those who are enjoying it, great. 
Putting all of the ease of access settings into one window is probably the biggest announcement from this new update. They've brought together everything for people who have speech, hearing, visual difficulties, whatever it might be, you'll find all of the settings in one place. And that is brilliant. As for screen reader lovers, well, Narrator has improved again. Lots of new features in there, and in particular, the keyboard map, which now gives you pretty much the same experience as you'll get on JAWS or NVDA. It uses all of the commands that you're used to. They don't say that at Microsoft, though. They say things like, well, it's a similar experience to those who have used screen readers before. Well, we all know what that means. It's the same as JAWS and NVDA. And about time. Now, having used Narrator for a while, I think it's probably just as, if not as responsive, certainly as NVDA and JAWS. I know a certain Sean Priest who's over there, thankfully gagged, will not agree. Shut up, Sean! Mm. But in all seriousness, Narrator's improvements does make a difference to our use of the computer. And that's because they haven't just made the improvements on their own. They've also worked with the Microsoft Edge browser to make sure that finally we can use it. And by the way, for those of you who are fans of NVDA and JAWS and want to use Microsoft Edge, there's support in there now for those screen readers as well. That'll keep Sean Priest happy for once. Oh, and those of us who use Braille are going to be happy as well. Lots of new announcements regarding that, including support for the Orbit Reader 20 Braille display, which was announced in the release notes of this new version of Narrator. Good news if you're using a Braille display. It's clear that Microsoft have really made the effort in this edition to make this particular version of Windows even more accessible than ever, and has done that, especially with making Narrator conform with other screen readers. Really, really good step forward. Also, making it more responsive and making it more of that kind of screen reader that you'd want to use every day. I find I'm turning JAWS off these days and using Narrator more, especially when trying to navigate the Windows system itself. So, perhaps we're getting to a time when JAWS and NVDA might not be required? (laughs) Why? To say it's as responsive as NVDA or JAWS? I mean, what are you talking about? Crazy! Oh, would someone give him a lamb chop and be done with it? Honestly, you try your best and everyone criticises. Microsoft, I know how you feel. Pardon? Well, Sean, excuse you. Now, as for the piece itself, Stephen, that was fantastic. I've been so impressed with what Microsoft has been doing lately and making sure that they implement all these different things. So Narrator is really not just becoming on par, but as you said, could be as good or or better than its competition. Yeah, yeah. Come on, Sean. Tell us, tell us what you think. Ah, right, good. Come on. Okay. Be ungagged. <laughs> I'm not going to knock it. Of course, Microsoft are doing great work. It's improving. I got to say, it's not available for me yet. I tried to update yesterday, and it wasn't there. So, this is going to be one of those gradual rollouts again. Uh, yeah. Unless you find that, unless you find a special link by googling it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Of course, you can force an update, but I'm just saying, over the air updates, just not quite there yet. But. Yeah, look, I'm going to definitely try it out. I know I keep bashing Narrator, and I sort of do it a bit tongue-in-cheek, but it, it's nice that it's getting better, but I still do find it very unresponsive. It does slow down. Now, if this does truly get rid of that problem, then great. Uh, but I'm yet to be convinced, I'll be honest. It's not. I'm not saying I don't trust you, Stephen, but I don't trust you. 
Okay, well, I'm going to clear that up. No, I mean, look, okay, I'll say one thing about it, and this, I think this is a really simple solution for this, for all of us to come to some kind of agreement on, right? Because narrator has been the cyclist of the road for screen readers for many times. Um, because, you know, we, we talk about it as the, the screen reader to get to the other screen readers. Yeah. Um, and everybody I talk to always says the same thing about narrator. Oh, yeah, I turned it on. It's really good. But then I obviously turned it off again and used JAWS. Uh, and you think, <laughs> oh, right. I think it's partly because it's a bit like the, the iPhone thing with blind people. You know, if you've had one device or one thing or one experience your whole life, you're going to stick to that. And with Zoom text users that will never leave Zoom text for Supernova, you know, they promise they'll leave. They maybe say they will. They never leave. Uh, you know, and it's the case. They'll never, he'll never leave you. It's not the and right time. It's just the wrong, it's not, it's you, not you, it's, it's me. me. So, yeah, I, I think that's a big issue. And that, of course, means that people are less likely to use it. I think Narrator will be adopted by more blind people through the years, if I'm honest. And um, I think at that point, when it's used by more people and there's more feedback going in, then it will become even better. Uh, but I have to say, I think they've done pretty well with it so far. Uh, there is one feature that I'm going to talk about next week. It was not an omission from that feature at all. It was. It wasn't an omission at all. Uh, it was, let's just say, I've said it before, don't record drunk, okay? You forget things. <laughs> it's just the way it goes, especially when you get tired halfway through. Uh, so, no, it is, it is a brilliant feature, and it's all about um, recognising images, something we've talked about before. Uh, so that's coming up on next week's show. I will save that one till then. But, yeah, that was Narrator. Um, look, I know we've got a lot of emails to get through. I'd, I'd love to start uh, going through some of those. Now, this week, we have employed the uh, – well, I mean, look, it's a tech show, right? So we've employed some technology to help us out here um, because I, I cannot continue to read these emails. Oh, or come on. Where's I will the commitment? lose what's left. Well, I know I, I love the show and I love our listeners. Um, but I also love what's left. So I thought <laughs> I'd maybe hang on to it a little bit longer. Uh, so Sean's employed some tech and uh, right over to you. Okay, well, let's kick off with an email from our old friend, Greg. Dear Tappers, some comments on audio description in mainstream versus specialized tech, which I will try to make briefly. As you no doubt know the specialized assistive tech field developed screen readers, magnification software, OCR, text-to-speech, and speech recognition, and these innovations have moved to mainstream uses. For both good and ill the driving force in mainstream accessibility is U.S. law and litigation. Apple developed VoiceOver because U.S. law required it to sell Macs and iPads to the U.S. education market. Ditto for Google and Chromavox. Amazon formed its accessibility team after litigation in 2010 forced cancelization of contracts for the sale of then inaccessible Kindles to U.S. universities. The 21st Century Communications Act signed by President Obama forced accessibility in TVs, DVD players, and set-top boxes, as well as movie theaters. Microsoft, not engaged in the education market, moved slower but have responded to the 21st Century Communications Act admirably. U.S. law is weak on the required minimum of described content, and the current administration is hostile, but this will pass in time, I should know, I have had kidney stones. On the downside, U.S. law requires government purchases to be made at the lowest market price. This forces AT companies to keep retail prices high to maximize government revenue. They need this revenue to innovate, but it hurts those who must buy their own tech. Dollars from education, 
the Veterans Administration and State Rehab Services dwarf the retail AT market. A new form of specialized tech has revolutionized the AT world as many apps turn a smart device into usable assistive tech devices. But there are big limitations to the hardware and it is challenging for specialized innovators to compete. I am so excited about the possibilities of wearables. Exciting times ahead. Greg in PA. Well, that's very interesting, actually, because that kind of brings all of our arguments together rather neatly, uh, if you think about it, because we often talk about the use case of this, these devices. But, of course, you've got to tie that into the amount of people who will buy them, which therefore increases the cost. Um, and, you know, also that discussion around legislation making accessibility possible. You know, we all love to criticise government for everything. And, you know, in, in your country, Tim, that's perfectly acceptable at the moment. Mm, yes. Uh, but, you know, for... Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is, you know, if it wasn't for the legislation and all of the people that, the pen pushers in Washington and whatever else in other countries that do all this stuff, we wouldn't have a lot of this accessibility. You know, it, it, we, we kind of, we like, it's funny, isn't it? Because a couple of months ago on the show, I used to, I, I did talk about how wonderful it was that Apple and Microsoft were doing all this great stuff. Truth be told, if legislation wasn't there, would they do it? I don't know. I think it's a good PR thing to do. It's it's good you know, for the consumers and for them as a company, similar to how Microsoft does a lot of things overseas and things with Africa and studies that they do. So there there are some PR reasons to do these things. But yeah, would we have gotten the accessibility in the same way that we have in the time that we did? Probably not. I'd like to be an optimist and say we would have, but truth be told, probably not. And and that's where legislation can be a good thing. Sometimes we talk about, you know, the law getting in the way of a lot of things and too much or too many lawsuits and too much leg- legislation, too much regulation. But in this type of a situation, this is where it's very helpful. When when that uh, 21st Century Act was in, in place, and all the digital theaters in the United States were required to have audio description, I was practically dancing in the streets because it means I can go to any movie theater that has a digital screen, and I know that I'm going to have an audio description device and that I can participate in and enjoy the movie. So just little things like that can make such a big difference for us. Yeah, I, I can't disagree with anything that, that, that Greg said there, especially with the importance of specialist tech and, and what it has driven into the mainstream he's absolutely right and mm. wearable tech is something i think is going to be amazing you know the especially for me that the camera glasses is, is going to be such a huge uh, difference and have such an impact in the way we use our devices but i gotta say i think the next email actually ties in nicely to greg's email this one's from robert hi guys i've been a long time fan of the show because it is entertaining educational and concise I'd like to get all of your opinions on the evolution of accessibility as a mindset, rather than a technology perspective. Let me briefly explain. Microsoft, for their late start in accessibility, have taken a drastic 180-degree turn with regards to accessibility and, just under three years, have adopted a culture of accessible design, even in their gaming divisions. Even their press material is accessible to blind journalists, such as me. But when contrasted with companies like Amazon, where accessibility seems to be a special skill rather than a company-wide policy, the mindset is really hard to ignore. Amazon is not the only one guilty of this. 
There are more companies than not who see accessibility or accessible design as something to think about only when it is brought to their attention or if it becomes a legal problem. When do you guys see accessibility evolving into a mindset rather than a technical fix? P.S. I've tried a Google Pixel 3 for months, and the short end of it is, I just couldn't get into it. Different strokes for different folks. Even though I love Apple's experience, Android Q will be adopting some bits from VoiceOver which will make it easy to use. Do you think this partnerships between Apple and Google is more than just a PR stunt? Or do you really think Apple and Google are willing to actually work together on accessibility and accessible design? Robert Kinjit. Well, can I just first off say, um, I think the important point here is I didn't realize that Robert was Larry King. Um, <laughs> I thought I would mix it up a bit with the voices. I like that one. It sounded well, very, very <laughs> regal. And I have to say, I think Robert's going to like that one because knowing what Robert's actual voice does sound like, uh, the fact that you give gave him such a deep, rich Larry King type <laughs> voice, Robert's going to love that. So that, exactly. that was fantastic. But just, just to pick up on that final yes. point first uh, from uh, Larry King, sorry, Robert King, um, <laughs> which I thought was rather interesting, was was the point about, um, and we raised this a week or so ago, about the, the subject of Apple and Google working together. Is it a PR stunt? And now, when I said this, we were talking about accessibility purely. I'm going to tell you something, Robert, I don't think it is, and I'll, I'll tell you why. Because they haven't made a big deal out of this. In fact, if I'm honest, trying to get them to admit they work together on on any kind of record. And I was in a room with both representatives from Apple. I can't say who, because apparently, you know, I don't know, Apple-faced goons will come and get me in the middle of the night. Um, but, you know, the, the, guy, the guys who were there and the guys from Google who were there were both saying, yeah, we work together. In fact, they even spoke to each other. I wanted to take pictures. Wow. I wanted to buy some chocolates, maybe set up a dinner for them. Uh, because honestly, it was beautiful. Uh, you know, it's like a marriage. It was gorgeous. And I thought, you know, you should tell people this, but they, they obviously don't because they want to be seen as competitors. I think it's the opposite. It's a strange with PR this, move. With accessibility. If, it's, if that's the Well, aim. it's not a PR yeah. move. It's not a PR move. This is actually the opposite. It's almost as if, let's not say this. Let's look like we're opposing, on opposing sides, but actually we work together especially in this field, which is great. And to quickly get back to the, the first point that Robert made about mindset, I think that's years away. And I think that ties back to Greg's um, email about it, it does just come down to forcing companies to do it at the moment. And it's a real mm -hmm. shame, but I think uh, a mindset of where accessibility is just part of the design process of any product or software is years and years away. Well, we are out of time. Sorry, what? guys. Told you, but two, hour, we had two hours worth of a show to cram Amazon. into an hour. We didn't get to talk about the uh, Amazon Echo Show terrible. 5, which is terrible. The um, iPod 7. Terrible. terrible. So, yeah, that was kind of it, really. Flip um, type on the Apple Watch. Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> no, it's not. It's See, good. We just did the news. <laughs> well done. No, it's fantastic, actually. That's probably the only... I did want to get into that, actually. Can we save that to next week if we can we'll fit it in to. with all the WWDC coverage we're going to be talking about as well? Yeah, so much um, WWDC to talk about. Yeah, what will be the outcome? Look, listen, if you want to if you want to follow us online, you can at Double Tap Canada. That's our Twitter handle. We're on Facebook as well. Uh, you can also follow us on the website, doubletap.online. And if you tune in to the website on Monday... From 10 a.m. Pacific or 1 p.m. Eastern, and you can watch us 
live、uh, on YouTube, Facebook. I was going to say FaceTime, but we're not on that.、Um, Twitter. Basically, we're going to just try and cover the internet with ourselves.、Uh, we're going to wrap our arms around the web and talk about everything that is wonderful about WWDC as it happens live. Or terrible, and you'll be able to see us. Yeah, or terrible,、uh, and you'll be able to see us, which will well, be terrible. That's going to be even worse. Don't let that put you off.、Uh, but if you do fancy it, then、uh, do check it out. We'll、uh, post all the links on our social media. AMI will also kindly retweet that as well.、Um, they just won't mention that we're on video.、Um, but that's it from us for this week. Keep your emails coming in. I know there's some we didn't get to this week. Sorry about that, but we will get to them next week. And、uh, keep them coming. Feedback at ami.ca. Thank you for listening. Thank you, guys. It's been fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit ami.ca. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.